listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So let's jump in. Uh, and, and probably be best to kind of start with what the Bible teaches about speaking in tongues as a heavenly language. And so uh, we'll talk about that first and, and kind of talk about what Paul taught about it uh, briefly before we jump into why it's so important right now. Do me a favor, take a minute, share the broadcast, sharing is caring, and uh, let's do this. First Corinthians chapter 14. Now, of course, we have the book of Acts. And um, in the book of Acts, we know that the uh, Holy Ghost fell on the church on the day of Pentecost. We know that. The Holy Ghost fell on the church on the day of Pentecost. 120 believers were filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody said to me one time, which I I did not understand. uh, They said, we have no biblical proof (laughs) that anyone except for the 12 apostles received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which that's foolishness. The Bible is plain in Acts chapter two, that 120 were waiting in the upper room uh, for the Holy Ghost to be sent from heaven. And when the Holy Ghost fell, uh, they all began to speak with other tongues and they all began, they all had tongues of fire that appeared upon their heads. It was not just the 12 apostles, but all 120 that were there received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So to say there's no proof in the Bible that anyone other than the 12 apostles received the Holy Spirit is absolute foolishness. And it's just somebody has not read the Bible. That's all that is. So then we have the narrative throughout the book of Acts. Of course, we have Acts chapter two. They all spoke with tongues. Um, We have um, on top of that, Acts chapter uh, eight, where Philip preaches in Samaria, then Peter and John lay their hands on all the believers. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, there was some form of an outward sign because Simon the sorcerer could see physically on the outside that these people had all been filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an inward work, as you know. So what was it that Simon was able to see happening Uh, in all these believers in Samaria that they got the Holy Ghost. Well, I believe in context, if you compare scripture with scripture, they were speaking in tongues. Go to Acts chapter 10. Now we're in Cornelius's house. Peter's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And while he's preaching, all, all of Cornelius's household is not only saved, but filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy to the point that um, to the point that, uh, literally the Jews said, Hey, these people have received the same gift that we received on the day, but they looked at them speaking in tongues, prophesying and recognized they have the same Holy spirit that we received on the day of Pentecost. And so they, they received it in Acts chapter 10. And then in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul going to Ephesus meets 12 men and uh, they are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Paul lays his hands upon them and uh, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, all 12. 
and begin to speak with tongues and prophesy. So all through the book of Acts, it is the standard that anybody who was filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak with tongues and uh, has that ability. Even Paul, who was also filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, said later, which we're going to read, we're in 1 Corinthians 14, that he speaks in tongues more than all of the church members. And so it was a standard practice in his life. Um, Bud, Bud on Periscope says, speak like the devil, Ted, you can come over and play. I don't know what that means. Uh, once again, mental patience on Periscope. Um, but anyway, 1 Corinthians 14. Now, let me break this down. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, a church that is got an abundance of gifts flowing in their assembly, abundance of gifts. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff. Speaking in tongues is a standard. Giving words in tongues uh, is a standard. Uh, prophesying, standard. They're having all these things happen. In fact, if you go to the very beginning of the letter to the Corinthians in the first chapter, Paul actually says to them, listen to this. Um, I'll read verses four through seven. I give thanks to my God always for you uh, because of the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge. And he's not talking about natural speech or natural knowledge. He goes on to say here in a moment that it's supernatural, that their church had been filled with all knowledge and speech, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Look at verse seven, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's dealing with the church who was not lacking any gift that was enriched in all knowledge and all speech. And of course we know they had an abundance of the gifts of the spirit at work in their church um, to the point where because of their immaturity, it was actually causing uh, chaos in their church services. So Paul writes in this letter to kind of correct that and uh, help them to get back on track, not to stop them from speaking in tongues in the church assembly, but to get them to do it in an orderly fashion so that people aren't freaked out and understand like, there's just so much going on. We don't know where to put our attention. God's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. And so Paul writes them this letter so that they understand how to have an orderly, uh, church service that has actual, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like you, you go to some places and, and it, it almost seems like there's no planning uh, whatsoever. Um, Christina says, good morning. I just have came in, but I have a question. If you get prayed for the gift, the gift of tongues, how do you, you don't get prayed for to receive the gift of tongues. You have hands laid upon you, according to the scripture, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then speaking in tongues is just a benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We believe also, according to the book of Acts, that it's the initial sign and evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only sign. I will stress that. It is not the only sign of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, but it is a sign. And according to what we see in scripture, it was the initial sign in all the pictures we have. So uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, um, he's, he's teaching them uh, about this. But listen, listen to what he says. He says, um, now remember, I, I want to make this point because it's so important that you catch this. Anytime, um, yes, you would, you would ask the elders of the church, Desiree. That's exactly what they did uh, in the New Testament. 
uh, the elders of the church would lay hands on believers like in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, and people be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want to make this distinction before I teach on this. Every time that Paul the Apostle says uh, praying in the Spirit or pray with the Spirit, he's in context referring to speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. It's important that you know that. He's not talking about praying, uh, you know, by the inspiration of the spirit or praying, uh, empowered by the spirit, some kind of, uh, some kind of, uh, experience where the spirit of God comes on you to pray in a more bold fashion. That's not what he's referring to. That's not what this, uh, passage in context is talking about. He is speaking to the church regarding speaking in tongues. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's giving them direction about that subject. So when you hear Paul say in his writing here, uh, I'll pray with my spirit or pray in the spirit, he's talking about speaking in tongues in context. And so, um, let me, uh, yeah, of course, Cameron, that's, that's, I understand that totally. Uh, he was saying that what's the purpose of speaking in an unknown, an unknown language in an assembly of believers because men cannot understand it. That's my exact point. Um, and Cameron brings up a great point that Paul's making, which is I would rather come into the church and in an assembly, I would speak five words in our known language so that everybody there is built up, encouraged and edified and, and learning something from the spirit of God, rather than come in and speak a thousand words in an unknown language, which is the heavenly language. Um, and so obviously, yes, Paul was teaching that Cameron, but that does not negate what he was teaching them, uh, regarding speaking in tongues. So let's go into it. First Corinthians 14. Uh, he said, pursue love. This is verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God for no one understands him. Thank you, Cameron, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So let me make a point right off the bat from the second verse of first Corinthians 14. If what Paul was referring to here was God empowering you to speak a foreign earthly language, he would not have written here what he wrote because if God empowers me to speak German, for example, I'm not uttering mysteries in the spirit and I'm not speaking only unto God and not unto men. German is a language understood by many millions of people. So is Chinese, Cantonese, you know, whatever it might be, whatever earthly language you might be referring to. I'm not, if I'm empowered to speak, you know, and I'm not saying God can't do those things. We have record in history of God doing those things. I have record in our family. Uh, when my grandfather pastored of those kinds of things happening, but that's not what speaking in tongues is. And that's not what the baptism of the spirit is. And so here he says that one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. It's a heavenly language. No one understands him. No one understands him. And so, uh, it's not for the purpose, for example, that's why uh, based on this, and this, this is something for all you Bible uh, students out there, you Bible uh, people that are hungry for Bible knowledge, remember this, when you are building doctrine or understanding the doctrine of scripture, 
if you have narrative stories about something and that's all you have, then you would create your doctrine from the narrative. For example, the virgin birth. There's nobody uh, that's taking time to teach on the virgin birth in the New Testament. All we have is the narrative where it's the storyline of the Bible telling us Mary was a virgin. She'd been with no man, uh, but the Holy Spirit came upon her. The Holy Spirit impregnated her. Well, that's a narrative. It's not didactic teaching. It's not Paul sitting in front of the believers and saying, now I want you to understand what happened when Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It is the Bible telling us the story. However, if you've got both and the narrative could be interpreted multiple ways, like speaking in tongues, then you always default to what the apostles taught specifically regarding a subject that we also have narrative about. So let me give you an example practically. Speaking in tongues is a perfect example because many Christians who I love, obviously they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, but they would look at Acts chapter two and they would say, well, here's an instance where once these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, God empowered them to speak foreign languages for the purpose of evangelism. And then they go further with that and say, well, that's what speaking in tongues truly is. It's when God empowers you to speak a foreign language for the purpose of preaching the gospel to people in in a language that you don't know. The problem with that is that's not anywhere in the New Testament. The apostles never used speaking in tongues that way. Uh, It was never taught that way. For example, Paul never used that reference one time in speaking to the Corinthians about what speaking in tongues was about. He wrote to them about it. He spent time teaching them on the subject, uh, but he never once alluded to the fact, the reason you've got tongues is so that foreigners who are coming into your assembly can now hear the gospel in their own language. That's not what what speaking in tongues is. Uh, It was never taught that way. There's no teaching in the New Testament. And not only is there no teaching Uh, that propagates that thought, there's also no example of the apostles using tongues that way. You know, you don't see Paul traveling to some uh, distant land where he doesn't speak the language and then using tongues to preach the gospel message to those indigenous people. It doesn't happen that way. And that's not what it is. There's no example of it and there's no teaching on it. So people misinterpret the narrative of Acts chapter two, because once you just use simple, um, what we would call um, process of elimination, if you will, you know, once you start removing things from the equation, there's only one thing it can be, right? So uh, the Bible does not, in fact, specifically say And you, if you think this is nitpicking, it's not nitpicking. It's actually being faithful to the text of scripture. The Bible does not say that the, um, that the believers spoke foreign languages. You know what it says? Let me read it to you. Acts chapter two, uh, verses five and six. Listen to how the Bible, which is every word inspired by the Holy spirit. Listen to what the Bible says. 
Verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse six. And at this sound, the multitude came together. What sound? The sound of all the believers speaking in tongues. At this sound, uh, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Now listen, because each one was hearing them, all of them speak in his own language. It does not say that the believers were speaking foreign languages. It says that the foreign Jews were hearing it in their own language. It's a very different thing. It's a very different thing. Um, for example, my opinion, just by process of elimination and looking at comparing it to other scriptures that teach the same thing, the only thing that could have happened on this day is that God could have interpreted their heavenly language to those Jews in their language. It's the only thing that could have happened because the Bible does not ever teach ever, not once that speaking in tongues is a foreign language. It's never used that way. It's never even alluded to that way. It's not what it is. And so if you are faithful to what Paul taught about speaking in tongues, which we're going to read in first Corinthians 14, if you are faithful to the understanding of what Paul taught that tongues really is, you can't be faithful and go back to Acts 2 and say, well, in this instance, though, they were speaking in foreign languages. Bible doesn't say it, and that's not consistent throughout the rest of the New Testament. So you have to be faithful. There's not like one thing that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, because notice in Acts 10, when they went to Cornelius's house, the, the Italians, and they, they, they couldn't believe, I mean, Peter had to see a vision just to believe that anyone other than the Jews could have the Holy Spirit in the gospel. And then God said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. And then Peter goes to Cornelius's house, preaches the gospel, and they all start after getting saved, speaking in tongues, they're baptized in the Holy Ghost and prophesying. And the Jews say they got the same thing, the same thing that we got. Same thing. It wasn't a different thing. It was the same thing. They weren't speaking foreign languages. They were speaking a heavenly language and they were prophesying. Same thing in Acts 19, same thing in Acts 8, it's inferred there. Uh, and so you go through and understand it was never. Now we're, in, now we're in 1 Corinthians 14 and Paul is specifically teaching on the subject of speaking in tongues. And what he says here is interesting in, in the second verse. One who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no one understands him. So let me give you an example. What is God? A waster of time? Do you think God's wasting time in his own church services? Do you think that the Holy Spirit is coming into a church service and wasting time? Just arbitrarily anointing people to speak out in a foreign language that no one understands. If you don't know what it is, you wouldn't know if it was a foreign language or not. Might as well be a heavenly language to you. And there's no purpose for it. Meaning, there's no one in the assembly that understands it. So you're not like preaching the gospel in their language to them while they're in church. Like they just came from China. And they only speak Mandarin. And for some, somehow, a believer stood up in the service, started speaking Mandarin by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and that person got the gospel in Mandarin. I'm not saying that can't happen. I know of instances where it did happen, but that's different. That's a sign and a wonder. It's a miracle. It's not speaking in tongues. It's a different gift altogether. 
It's a sign, a wonder, a miracle. It's not speaking in tongues because that's what Paul says is that when a person in your assemblies, if a person speaks out in tongues, they're speaking mysteries in the spirit. Number one, they're speaking unto God, not unto men. So there's the proof. There's the proof. They are not speaking unto men. So what's the point? Did you ever ask yourself the question if that, if, if tongues is a, an earthly language, if tongues is an earthly language and it was happening in these services, but there's no one in the assembly that speaks that language, what's the point? Holy ghost is just wasting time in his own church services. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. And Paul's very clear about it. They're not speaking to men. They're not speaking to men. They're speaking unto God for no one understands him. No one. It's a waste of time unless there's interpretation. That's what Paul taught. That's what Paul taught. That's the reason, by the way, that Paul said in a church assembly, if somebody gets up and gives a word to the assembly in a heavenly language, in tongues, somebody is to get up and interpret that tongue into the known language so that everyone present can be built up. Everyone present can learn uh, what the Holy Spirit was saying. He said, otherwise, I would rather that you just prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is done in your known language. See, what, what tongues and interpretation do together prophecy does by itself. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments today. What tongues and interpretation do together, prophecy does by itself. What tongues and interpretation do together, prophecy does by itself. That's what he said, but I would rather that you prophesy. But see, understand there's a reason for tongues and interpretation also. It's a sign to the unbeliever, the Bible says. Tongues is not a sign to the believer. I don't need to hear speaking in tongues to prove to me that the Holy Spirit is real. I know he's real. I've been baptized in his power. I've been filled with that Holy Spirit. I don't need to hear tongues to know that he's real. It's not a sign to me. I don't need, here's another, here's another uh, uh, point. I don't need to see miracles to know that Jesus is alive. I know he's alive. I believe it. I believe it. So what tongues and interpretation do together, prophecy does by itself. You see that. And so Paul's teaching here. Now let's go further. He, uh, he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and consolation. So there it is. There it is. Paul said, if you prophesy, everybody in the assembly is being built up by what you're saying in the known language of the people. Verse four, the one who speaks, now catch this, because here's where we're going today. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. There's a difference. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Now there it is. Paul's not trying to stop tongues. 
The Bible says don't forbid speaking in tongues. So we're not, we're not trying to get tongues out of the church. No, Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Now, remember he's talking in the context of a church assembly setting. He's talking about the context of a church assembly setting. He's not talking about your own personal life, your prayer life. It's not what he's referring to. Because one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. That's the point I just made to you. So that the church may built up. So without interpretation, there's no point. You might as well not even do it in an assembly because no one understands. No one's built up. Nobody is edified. It it might as well have just prophesied because tongues without interpretation in an assembly setting is, is a waste of time. Paul's teaching that total waste of time. That's why I'd rather speak five words in my known language than a thousand words in an unknown tongue. So let's go to verse 13. Now, first Corinthians 14, 13, catch this. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret church setting or in this church setting, catch it. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My mind doesn't understand it. My mind doesn't understand it. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. Now notice this is what I I told you about at the beginning. He's not just talking about spirit inspired prayer, man. I felt the power of God came on me and I just started speaking in, 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 in a way that was, that was built by the Holy ghost. I mean, the momentum of the spirit was, that's not what he's talking about. Stay in context, stay in context with the whole teaching. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit. He's talking about speaking in tongues. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. What's that mean? I'll pray in my known language. I'll pray in my known language as well as praying in the spirit. And then he says, I will sing with my spirit, sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. And then in verse 18, notice this. He's talking now, he flips over to talking about his own personal prayer life. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. First Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. So Paul made it a habit of speaking in tongues on a regular basis. Notice he didn't say, I thank God that I speak in tongues and interpret more than all of you. No, now he's speaking about his own personal prayer life and understand something that he teaches here. He said, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. First Corinthians 14, four. So number one today, and I want you to put it in the comments. The first thing I want you to write down because more than ever before, we need to speak in tongues on a daily basis. Not, not only be filled with the Holy ghost, uh, billion said, I need to sail off for a moment. It's a lot of information coming all at once. A lot of revelation coming all at once. And I know people haven't been taught this, but if you're just faithful to the text of scripture, you don't have to read things in and out. It's just what the Bible actually says. The answer is there. The answer is there. And so number one, the number one reason I want you to put it in the comments today. Number one reason that we need to be speaking in tongues on a daily basis is because the Bible says that one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. One translation says edifies himself encourages himself. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. 
There's my friend, Pastor David Rensel on Periscope. Love you, buddy. We, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. We can build up. We can literally edify ourselves by praying in the Holy Ghost. So number one, put it in the comments. Um, we must encourage ourselves. We must encourage ourselves. One of the things that if you allow it to happen, will happen to you regularly is the spirit of this world is trying to creep in on every person. The, the heaviness of this world, the reports of this world. Um, for example, what I'm talking about, Jesus talked about and Jesus taught in the context of uh, the parable of the sower. The seed of the word fell on four types of ground. One of those types was thorny ground. And when Jesus described what thorny ground was, it was people who heard the word and then the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches grew up and choked out the word. So if you allow the cares of this world to lay on your shoulders, if you believe the report of the world over the report of the Lord, then what the Bible tells us will happen is that God's word in your life will be choked out and not have the ability to produce fruit in your life. Dangerous, very, very dangerous. And so I want you to catch this with me today. We need to be praying in the spirit, praying in tongues on a daily basis for the purpose of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Must encourage ourselves in the Lord. Uh, if not, see, if we let things go to a default, and here's the problem, because you could even apply, even though I know it's not a spiritual principle, but it is a spiritual principle in the same way. Uh, if you allow yourself to just go to the default of whatever happens in life, just like the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, everything will just go to chaos. Everything will go to chaos. If you don't govern what happens in your life, your life will go to chaos in every area. doesn't matter what area it is. If you don't govern, I want you to put that in the comments. If I don't govern my life, my life will govern me. I want you to put it in the comment section. If I don't govern my life, my life will govern me, meaning things will go to chaos. You have to govern. I can't just say, well, I hope I feel happy today. I can't say, well, I, I really hope I have joy today. <laughs> I, hope I'm, I hope I'm at peace today. No, you can't be that person that just hopes it randomly falls upon you. If you don't govern your life, your life will govern you. And one of the ways that you can ensure that you are stirred up, edified, encouraged in the Lord is by praying in tongues on a daily basis. One who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And so one of the things I want you to see right off the bat is, especially now in the year 2020, if you're watching this on replay in the future and you don't remember, 2020 was a stupid year where everything that could happen, happened, where the enemy tried to launch every attack that he could launch. And we still had a year of violent increase in expedited favor. And, and what I want to show you is in times like this, see, anybody can be stirred up when everything's going well. Anybody can be encouraged 
when everything in their life is going the way they planned. But what, how do you react when the devil's attacking? How do you react when it seems like there are things coming against you? My opinion, that's the true mark of a Christian. How they react when things are trying to come against them. Because even a sinner can live victoriously when it's victory going on. What do you do when there's an attack? And one of the things you got to make up in your mind is this. I will encourage myself in the Lord. I will pray in the spirit and I will build myself up on a daily basis, on a daily basis. Anybody that's been a a world changing spiritual leader has lived this principle out in their life. That I mean, change nations. I remember Pastor Enoch Adeboye said, no preacher should even take the pulpit to preach unless they've prayed in the Holy Ghost for at least an hour. Amen. And I don't disagree with him because we need the help of God and we need the spirit of God to lead us. And so that's number one. Number two, I want you to go with me to the book of Jude. And of course, here's a verse of scripture that you know well or should know well. The Bible says this in Jude verse 20. Here's the second reason that we need to in 2020 be praying in the Holy Ghost more than ever before. Number two, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Huh. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So number two, you can actually, it doesn't give you more faith, but it does stir up the faith that you already have. The Bible doesn't teach anywhere that speaking in tongues gives you more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith also can come by experiencing the manifestations of Christ, miracles, signs, wonders. The Bible says in uh, the gospel of John chapter two, many people believed on Jesus name when they saw the miracles, which he did. And so you can experience the miracles and the manifestations of Christ and that builds your faith. You can also hear the word and it builds your faith. Your faith's being built just by listening to this broadcast today. So number two, uh, love you, David. Have a great one. Um, number two, when you pray in tongues, you are literally building up or stirring up the faith that you already have. I always tell people like this. It's almost like if you were uh, somebody who ran track or whatever. And uh, as you're running track, you wouldn't just show up on the, on the, 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 the actual track or the field or whatever it might be in your street clothes with no warm up and try to run a race. No, you would stretch out. You would get there early and you would warm up. You know, you would do whatever you would warm up your muscles. You would do some practice sprints. You would jog a little bit. You'd stretch out. What are you doing? You're getting your muscles ready for action. And the same thing is true with speaking in tongues is that when you speak in tongues, I am getting myself in position to be used by God building myself up in my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm preparing myself for action, for faith action, whatever God has asked me to do. 
I can remember this, that I was, uh, you've heard me tell the story before when I was a young, young minister, I just started preaching. It was one of the first places I'd ever traveled. And I had a night flight going from Norfolk to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Indianapolis. And, uh, as I was on that flight, I just decided I was going to pray in the spirit, pray in tongues for the whole flight. And so I'm there praying, praying, and the Lord's began to speak to me immediately. And it was about another man on the flight that I should pray for him. This is what's going on with him. God began to give me a word for him. And I was in my early twenties, man. And I was like, man, I'm just, this is something I'm just making this up. And it was dark in the cabin. So I couldn't even see the man other than his silhouette. And the Lord told me that to start praying for his eyesight. And I, and I had not noticed him before we took off, start praying for his eyesight. And I got that from praying in the Holy ghost. And as I did, I spent the rest of that flight to Atlanta praying for the man, praying for his eyesight. Didn't know him, never had seen him. Saw his silhouette. The Lord pointed him out to me. Well, when they landed and they turned the lights back on on the plane, I could see that he had glasses. So I was like, well, that's interesting. But then he stood up and when he turned and looked at me, he had one eye that was extremely hanging down. It looked, it was like an extremely lazy eye. And uh, I just, you know, I, I determined in my heart, I was like, well, there's there's not really a good way to start a conversation with people about the gifts of the spirit. So I just plainly said it to him. I said, Hey man, I was praying for you on the flight today. He said, you were, I said, yeah. I said, I was praying that God would touch your eyes. He said, well, brother, he said, I'm Catholic. He said, the Lord speaks to me a little different than he speaks to you. I said, that's fine. And uh, I walked with him through the terminal and started to encourage his faith. And we got to the place where we had to part ways. And uh, my faith was see, my faith was now stirred up. I'd been praying in the Holy Ghost on the plane, praying for him in the Holy Ghost. And see, all that prayer had any kind of timidity, any kind of spirit of fear, any of that stuff that would have tried to take me over naturally, dealing with a stranger, somebody I did not know, it was gone. I mean, it was gone. And I, I, uh, I didn't even have any, any, anything to hold me back. I said, listen, I would feel like I was doing you a disservice if you didn't give me an opportunity to pray for you before we part ways. And I thought he was going to deny it and say, well, no, no, I got to go. Thanks for thinking of me. I got to run my plate for my plane. But he put his bags down right in the Atlanta airport, right next to the escalators that go down to the SkyTrain. And he lifted his hands and he said, let's do it. Now, right there in uh, Hartfield Jackson International Airport, I laid hands on that man and by the power of the spirit, prayed for him and in loose healing virtue into his body, he received it. But see, none of that would have been possible. None of that would have taken place if I would not have prayed in the spirit, prayed in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because see, number one, I'd never got a word from the Lord. Number two, I'd never had the boldness to give the word. And number three, I'd have been too timid to act on that and actually pray for the man. And so understand something that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we are getting our faith ready for action. We're yielding ourselves to the mighty Holy Spirit, yielding ourselves to the mighty Holy Spirit. Let me give you another one. This is extremely important in, in, uh, in 2020, extremely important. Number three, third reason that we need to be praying in the Holy Ghost more than ever before. Number one was it encourages us personally, encourages our minds, encourages our hearts, our souls. We can't just say, well, hope joy comes today. Hope peace comes today. Generate your own joy. Generate your own peace. Let me stop there for a second before I give you three, because this is pertaining to, to point number one. And you have to hear this. If you don't generate your own joy, you will have to depend 
on circumstances to provide you with joy. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to write it in the comments. I must generate my own joy. Generate your own joy. If I don't generate my own joy, I have to wait on circumstances to provide me with joy. So I have to wait for a joyful circumstance, a joyful event, something that makes me happy. If I don't generate my own joy, I am literally at the mercy of life. I'm at the mercy of life. And that's not a place any Christian should ever be, ever. I must generate my own joy. One of the ways to do that is by praying in the Holy Ghost. By praying in the Holy Ghost, you are getting into his presence, right? If I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm getting into his presence. And what happens? Psalm 1611 happens. In his presence is fullness of joy. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. That stirs me up right now. In his presence is fullness of joy. When I pray in the spirit, I'm getting into his presence. And in that, guess what I'm doing? Generating my own joy. One who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Why? Because we're getting into his presence and in his presence, fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I must generate my own joy. I want you to see that. Same thing with your peace. Must generate your own peace. Hallelujah. Got to generate my own joy. Got to provide my own peace. I'm not waiting on something else or someone else to give me joy or peace. And so that's number one. Number two, very important that we just covered is that it prepares your faith for action. Every believer is expected to take actions of faith. Put it in the comments. I'm expected to take actions of faith. Why do you say that? Because the Bible teaches without faith, it is impossible to please God. So is every believer required to please God? Yes. And what does that mean? That means every believer is required to take actions of faith or else you're not pleasing God. So we are required to take actions of faith. If you're going to do that, maximize those actions of faith by stirring up your faith ahead of time, praying in the Holy Ghost. I was looking, I just saw Ben Foles on today. See, people always spiritualize this stuff. They spiritualize it. Well, that means if I'm going to pray for somebody. Yeah, it does. But I think of guys like Brother Ben, a friend of mine from Georgia. This man has a phenomenal mind. He has the mind of Christ. You could sit and talk to him and he'd tell you about what he does. And after he explained it all to you, you still wouldn't understand what he does. But he has the ability to build himself up in faith, to take actions of faith. He's producing things right now that have never really been produced. He's he's, we had a conversation about this and Ben, I won't tell everything, everything that you're doing, because I know you want to release it and everything. But let me just say, brother Ben's doing some things right now that have number one, never been done, but number two will cause the body of Christ to expand 
dramatically, especially in the area of missions and missions work. But see, he's taking actions of faith in order to make those things happen. So yes, it's when you're praying for somebody. It's when you're preaching the gospel. It's when you're doing, but what about someone like brother Ben who God's anointed him for that business, anointed him with those ideas to develop, to produce. It takes faith to do it. No one's ever done it. So praying in the Holy ghost, it'll help you in your business. Do you know God will give you ideas praying in the Holy ghost. If you've never heard me say this, you talk about taking actions of faith. I gave this story not long ago. There was a a guy that my uncle got to meet one time at a hunting expo and he had an idea in the Holy ghost He's praying in his tree stand before the sun rose while he was hunting prayed in the Holy ghost till God gave him an idea to build a certain type of hunting blind that had never been built before in that way. And so he goes home, sketches it out, has an engineer build it, uh, has a prototype built, uh, takes it to a hunting expo. A guy that owns hunting ranches in Texas, saw it, loved it, ordered his whole stock, made him a multimillionaire overnight. I mean, think about that. It all came from an idea from the Holy ghost that came from praying in the spirit and it took faith to accomplish that faith was prepared and built up by praying in the spirit. He could have just said to himself, well, I don't have the background in that. I don't understand how that works. I don't know how to do that. Blah, blah, blah. He could have said all of that stuff. Didn't say it. He just did it because his faith had been built up by praying in the Holy ghost. Same thing for you. It's not just for laying hands on people. It's not just for preaching the gospel. Whatever God has called you to do, it'll build up your faith and get it ready for action. So number one, it stirs you up personally, generates your own joy, provides your own peace. Number two, get your faith ready for action so you can step out and do what God's called you to do. 2020 is not over. We got two and a third months left. That's, that's plenty. That's almost a quarter of the year. God's going to move in many ways before this year comes to an end. Hear what I say. God's going to move in many wonderful ways before this year comes to an end in Jesus name. If you receive that, lift your hands in the comment section and let me know you're standing with me, believing God's going to move in many wonderful ways before this year comes to an end. And I believe that he will. James chapter three is where we're going to be for uh, the third, the third thing I want to show you James chapter three. And so, um, Let's start with verse five. Amen. I'm seeing all that faith in the comments section. People are believing God. He's going to move in mighty ways before this year comes to an end. And I believe it. I believe you believe it. We're going to see God move. Hope Cameron is still on. Uh, Number uh, James three and verse five. Listen to this. Cameron, if if you're there, let me know. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. See that. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire. Here's my friend, Johnny Phoenix. Love you, buddy. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among uh, the, the, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body 
setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Now look at verse eight. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So let me break this point down for you because it's massive. Proverbs 18 and verse 21, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that eat it or they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So understand this, the words that you speak have power. They, they absolutely have power. I think one of the dumbest colloquialisms that we ever had growing up was sticks and stones can break my bones, but names or words can never hurt me. Well, that's absolutely stupid. Everybody understands that you can be hurt by something someone has said about you or said to you. Throw your hand up if you know what I'm talking about. Actually, throw the stop sign emoji up if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody understands, anybody with, as, bro, as Brother Hagin used to say, anybody with one eye and half sense knows that words can hurt you. Words can offend you. Words can hurt your feelings. They can break you. People understand, see that? And so um, James is telling us something interesting here that in our flesh, in and of ourselves, we can't tame the tongue. We can't, we can't tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil that no man can tame. However, the Holy Spirit can tame our tongues. The Holy Spirit can tame our tongues. And so what we've got to see here is one of the things that takes place when we pray in the Holy Ghost is that we're yielding our tongue completely and totally to God himself, to the spirit of God. We are yielding our tongue utterly to God himself, praying in the spirit. We're not doing that in our, Paul made it very clear. It's not it from his, it's not from his mind. He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to pray with my, that's what, that's why I made the point. I will pray in the, with my spirit and I will pray with my mind. Praying in tongues is not generated from your mind. It's not something you thought up. It's why you can't teach someone to speak in tongues. <laughs> You, I've seen people try to do, it, do that at the altar. You know, they lay hands on people. Now say Bobo. Now say Rasha. Now say Shiti. It's like you can't teach somebody <laughs> to speak in tongues. That's foolish. It does not, it's not generated from your mind. It's generated from your spirit, which is connected to the Holy Spirit. For you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when we, that's why, I don't know if you've ever, um, yeah, exactly. Johnny said, it's pretty hard to curse when you're praying in the spirit. It's pretty hard to cuss somebody out when you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And so it's true. You're utterly yielded, utterly um, submitted to the Holy Ghost when you pray in tongues. And then I want you to think about this as well. Is that since it's the spirit praying, has anybody else noticed this? Those of you that are filled with the spirit, those of you who are praying in tongues. Has anybody else noticed 
that because it's generated in your spirit, not your mind, have you ever noticed that you can pray in the spirit, but do other things at the same time that take your mind working to do them? You ever notice that? Put your hand up if you've noticed that. I, I, I have. I mean, that's pretty interesting to me. That because praying in the spirit's not generated in your mind, The point I'm making, if scroll back up to that, if you would, Tiffany, for 20 Kevron on YouTube, the point I'm making, uh, it, this is from James chapter three, as you saw me read verse number eight, I'm talking about the fact that no man, the Bible says, can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, but the Holy spirit, for example, for 20 Kevron, that's asking genuine question, uh, how does praying in tongues help with controlling your tongue? Where can I find scripture about that? The answer there is, first of all, we know that the tongue can't be tamed by a natural man, James 3, 8. We also know that death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. But we also know that uh, Paul taught, 1 Corinthians 14, that when you pray in tongues, it's the spirit praying. You're praying out of your spirit, man, not out of your mind. Paul makes that distinction. You have to go back and watch. I've already taught on that part. But then we can understand this, that the fruit of of the spirit, 20 Kevron, the fruit of the spirit found in Galatians chapter five, one of the fruit that come from the spirit. So if you want to think about the spirit of the God, the spirit of God as the tree and these things as the fruit that come off the tree, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, self-control as it were. Um, those things come from not your flesh, you go read Galatians 5, 20 Kevron, it will list the works of the flesh, but now it then lists the works of the spirit. One of those, by the way, the last one, which I believe is the most important is self-control. Let me be totally clear. Self-control does not come from your flesh. No one without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, can control their flesh. They're sinners. They're dead in trespasses and in sins. And so it is the Holy Spirit and yielding to his spirit that allows you to walk in self-control. That's controlling the tongue as well. And so that's the process. I'm taking you through the process from the beginning to end to answer that because I understand it's a genuine question. No man can do it. The Holy Spirit can do it. You are filled with the spirit, which gives you the ability to yield to the spirit and then self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit that cannot be accessed through the flesh, only through the spirit allows you to do what no man can do, which is to tame the tongue and praying in the spirit, which is also obviously part of being connected to the spirit yielded to him is something that is like 100% pure control. Think about that. It's like 100% pure control of the tongue because everything that's coming out of your mouth uh, is from the Holy Spirit when you're praying in tongues. It's not from your mind. That's right. Uh, as Johnny said, my flesh is not strong enough to break bad habits or addictions, but the spirit in me yielded that he's yielded to is strong enough, stronger than any addiction, stronger than any problem stronger than any issue. So we understand that. And, and why I'm saying that as point number three, 
that it's so vital is because especially in 2020, when you're seeing everything go haywire all around you, we've seen the government go haywire. We've seen healthcare go haywire. We've seen culture go haywire, all these different things. When you see that, the temptation is to begin to speak what you say instead of speaking what you believe. Here is the real test. As everything's gone crazy, will you continue to speak what God's word says versus what you see in the natural realm? Because it's easy, let me tell you. If, if, if we've ever been given content to speak from the culture, from the, from the politics, and from the healthcare system, if we've ever been given content to talk about around the water cooler, right now is the time we've been given, given that stuff. Uh, and so <clears throat> it's very important to understand that you've got to guard your tongue by the inspiration and power of the Holy Ghost and then only speak what God says. And James, I will answer that question in a moment. Speak what God's word says. Don't speak what you see in the natural realm. So let me give you some Bible for that because it's a very important point. When they sent 12 spies into the promised land, Canaan, they saw giants there. Hey, Christina, they saw giants there. 10 of them came back full of fear and said, we can't take it. There's giants in there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Two of them had faith. And you know what they said? We're well able, well able to take the land. Bible calls their report a report of faith, but notice he didn't call the other report a report of fear. You know what it was? An evil report. <laughs> Think about that. An evil report. When we speak, when we speak what the world says or what we see in culture, whatever, it is an evil report coming out of our mind. You know why? We're contradicting what God already said in his written word. Oh, hallelujah. We're contradicting what God already said in his written word. Hallelujah. So we've got to speak by the Holy Spirit and by self-control only what the Holy Spirit is saying through the written word. I refuse to speak an evil report out of my mouth. You're welcome, 20 Kevron. I refuse to speak an evil report out of my mouth. And so I, want, I wanted to make these three points for you today because it's so vital so vital that at the end of this year, listen, we're sticking to our promise. We're sticking to our word. We will not let go of this word. It's a year of violent increase and expedited favor. It's what it is. It's what we're going to have. It's what we've already been having. It's going to continue. And these last two and a, and a third months are going to be mind blowing to the people of God. Get ready. Get ready for the best days you've ever had in Jesus name. And so here's the key. Number one, as you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're encouraging yourself. You will not fall into depression. You'll not get discouraged. You'll not become anxious. You'll not get to a place where you don't feel like you can accomplish what God said you can do. By praying in the Holy Ghost, you will encourage yourself. Number two, you will prepare your faith for action. And you'll take actions of faith to please the Lord. Even in these last two and a third months of the year, 
you will please God with faith-filled actions that will bring the increase you're believing him for, that will bring the victory you're believing him for. And then finally, you're controlling your tongue, which I I left it for last because it is vital. You will have what you say. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you think, whatever you believe to be true, you will confess, you will say. You know why I don't go around telling everybody that I'm nothing, that I'm stupid, that I've never, I, I'm just not that smart, I've never been able to figure things out. I don't believe that about myself because it's not true. Number one, I've got the mind of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit who teaches me all things. So the reason I don't go around saying that stuff about me is because I don't believe it about me. I believe what the word says, and then I speak what I believe. As the apostle said, we believe, therefore we speak. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. Uh, James asked the question many times in his personal prayer life, he'll be praying in tongues and then he'll switch over into English. Is that prophecy? Because it happens in his personal prayer time. That would depend James on what the Lord is leading you to say. If you're just going over into prayer, then you're praying. It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I'll pray with my spirit, I'll pray with my mind or in my known language. So it might be you're just like Paul was doing, switching back and forth between praying in the spirit and praying in your known language. Uh, if you are prophesying things about the future, then you know, write it down and see that it comes to pass. You know, If it does, then yes, the Lord is speaking to you to prophesy even in your own personal prayer time. And that can, that can be easily seen by the fruit of what you're saying. But many times people, that'll happen to me. I'll pray in the spirit, then I'll pray in English, then I'll pray in the spirit, then I'll pray in English. And that's, that's you doing what Paul said. We pray, we do both pray in the spirit, pray in our known language or pray with our mind. Also, I'm going to pray for every person watching because I can't even begin to tell you on this breakthrough Friday, how important it is that we get down to it again, praying in the Holy ghost. In fact, I, I, uh, encouraged you in the late fall last year, 2020 was going to be a year we needed to pray in the Holy ghost. That was a word and we didn't even know it. Do you know that? That was a word and we didn't even know it. Andrew says, what should I do after a prophet gives me a word? See that it bears witness with your spirit. Number one, he's not the only one that hears from God. You hear from God as a Christian. So we're not led by prophets. We're led by the spirit. So see that it bears witness with your spirit. See that it lines up with the scripture because a true prophecy will never contradict the word of God and then pray it through if it's from the Lord. So for example, if a prophet came, spoke to me tomorrow and said, you're called to go and uh, start a ministry in uh, the middle of Dubai. If the Lord didn't speak to me to do that, I ain't going. If he didn't say to me, if that's not just a confirmation of something the Lord's already told me, I'm not doing it because I'm, we're not in the old Testament where we're led by prophets. We're, we're all filled with the spirit and we can hear his voice. You understand? So pray it through, make sure it lines up with scripture, make sure it lines up with what the Lord's already spoken to you to do and then pray it out. But I gave you a word late fall and said, Listen, 2020, and I, I, I made a point. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to. Maybe we'll re-air the broadcast and show it to you. But I felt the Lord tell me. I was in West Virginia. I went to my father's office and did a, I did a, um, 
broadcast from his office where I told you 2020 is going to be a year that we're going to need to pray in the Holy Ghost more than ever before. Well, look at it. Look at it. I mean, look at it. I mean, we've gone through everything a nation can go through outside of war. And uh, the enemy has worked hard to discourage the church specifically. And if you're watching from another nation, you know what's going on in your nation. You know what's going on in Nigeria right now. You know what's going on in other nations, Australia, South Africa. You know what's happening. And this word has has come to pass. It's, It's been a year, just like the Lord said to us, that we need to pray in the Holy Ghost like never before. And we still need to. That's why I'm encouraging you again. The year's not over. We've got two and a half months left, two and a third, whatever. We need to get every day praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. Don't let up. Don't take your foot off the gas pedal because we're coming into the holiday season. It's not a time to coast. My wife wrote a great article in the newest magazine uh, called Autopilot Off. I am not coasting into the end of this year, not coasting into Thanksgiving, not coasting into Christmas. I'm running. And by the time 2021 comes, I'm going to run. I'm going to run in 2021. Watching from Zambia. I'm so glad you're with us. Thank you for watching from Zambia. I love you. Let me pray for you right now at the end of this broadcast. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man, every woman that's watching this or listening on the podcast. I ask you now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would touch them today. If they're not filled with the Holy Ghost, Fill them today with the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Empower them. I thank you, Lord, that they will have the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That you would empower them for the work whereunto you've called them. That before this year comes to an end, we'll see mighty miracles, signs, and wonders take place in Jesus' name. We expect it. We thank you for it. Lord, we thank you that your will is going to be done. Your body is rising up, the body of Christ. We're rising up in this nation and around the world to do what you've called us to do. The best days are ahead in Jesus' wonderful name. We refuse to be defeated. We've already got the victory because Christ has given it to us. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody, if you believe it, throw some fire in the comment section. Let me know you're standing with us and that you believe. And uh, listen, on this Breakthrough Friday, Let me encourage you to sow a seed into this ministry. If you appreciate this ministry, what me and Carolyn are doing around the world and now getting ready to do some of the largest things we've ever done, we're getting ready to be on television in over 100. This just happened, by the way, during this last trip. We are expanding. I thought phase one was just going to be three continents, 80 million homes plus. It's not. It's going to be 180 nations of the world, over 180 nations every week that are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, And then we're going to also hit the Caribbean islands, which will add almost 40 million more people. And I'm just telling you, God's launching us out in this year of violent increase and expedited favor, launching us out like never before. And so I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership Uh, And sowing seeds, even if it's a one-time seed, the information's on the screen. You can always go to miracleword.com 
And from that page, the give page, there's many ways you can give through Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, all the information's there, or right on the website, you can sow your seed. If you're in the comments on Facebook or Twitter, Periscope, you can even put hashtag donate in the comments section. But whatever you do, let me take this seriously today. You need to take this seriously as well. Jesus is coming soon and there's work to be done. Thank you, Andrew, for sowing. You can't actually do it on YouTube, Andrew. YouTube is the only platform that does not allow hashtag donate. So if you would, Andrew, go to miracleword.com. You can complete uh, the seed there and sow it on the website uh, or use Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, whatever you'd like to do. But it's very important because thank you, Tony Kevron. I appreciate that. God opened the doors. We could have never done it. It's amazing. Um, there's many people the Lord's speaking to you to sow largely, largely. And I'm talking about $5,000, $10,000. God's speaking to you to underwrite some of these things uh, as we're getting ready to touch the nations. And I'm telling you, step out in faith and watch what God will do. Uh, those of you that are watching, I've, I've prayed and ask the Lord to impress upon the hearts of people to stand with us in monthly partnership. What does that look like? Well, my faith has been said here that God would give us a thousand people minimum that would stand with us at $85 or more each month, $85 or more. Would you be able to be one of those people? Ask the Lord. Maybe you could do more than that. We have people standing with us at a hundred, 200, $500 a month some $750 a month. Do what you can do. And let me encourage you that when you do this and stand with us in partnership, you are changing the world. No question about it. You are changing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just enlarged and increased our partnership with Feed the Hungry. Now we're feeding hundreds of kids around the world every single day. We're going to continue to expand that. And God's going God's to move. I'm just telling you. I've got such a stirring in my spirit. God's going to move. In a moment, I'm going to pray because this is Breakthrough Friday. I'm going to pray for miracles for every person that needs a miracle, healing, deliverance, increase, household salvation. Praying in just a moment. But I want you to take this seriously because God is moving and now's the time to do the work and sow that seed by faith today or partner with us today. And I'm telling you, it'll make all the difference in the world. Let me pray now. There's people that have written in uh, even with prayer requests through the week, there's people that need healing in their body, people that need deliverance from depression, anxiety, spirit of fear, people that need their family and their friends to be saved, people that are believing for increase, but their businesses to take off. Let me pray for miracles on this Breakthrough Friday for everybody that's watching or listening. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray now that you would speak and touch every person. Speak peace into every situation. Speak joy into every heart. A one word from heaven's all we need. One word changes everything. Speak the word only and we'll be healed. Speak the word only and we'll be delivered. Speak the word only and we'll be set free. And so I pray now, speak that word from heaven, a word of healing. We thank you that your word says in Psalm 107 and verse 20, you sent your word and it healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. And so today we're asking you, Lord, loose miracles upon your people in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you're doing around the world. We will give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. I curse sickness and disease today, command it to loose its grip on God's people. Let them go. 
Take authority over depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. Go now in Jesus' name. Lord, for household salvation, let their family members be saved and come into the kingdom. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love you guys. I'm on my way to Huntington, Texas, starting tomorrow uh, is when I'll fly out. Sunday, the meeting begins, and it's through Friday. If you're anywhere close to the Houston area, I want to encourage you to come. It's about an hour and something from Houston, but look it up on Google Maps. You'll see where Huntington is. Uh, just go off the paved road, get on the gravel road, and when the gravel road ends, take a bicycle on the dirt path, and then you'll be in Huntington. Um, come and join me. It's going to be awesome. I'm only messing around. It's actual civilization. It's going to be awesome. I want to see you there. If by any chance you can get there, love to see you. Have a phenomenal weekend. Thanks to everybody that sewed. Thanks to everybody that's hanging with us. Don't miss tonight. If you're anywhere near Carolyn, seven o'clock Champion Christian Center, Washington, Pennsylvania and uh, Chick Church. You got to be a girl. Got to be a chick to be a part of it. We love you guys. Have a phenomenal day and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.